Welcome to Five O'Clock Leadership, everybody, with Brad and Rob. Rob and I live and breathe leadership. We coach leaders, we work with leaders, we aspire to be leaders, we're students of leadership. This is an opportunity for you to tap into our work with leaders. Welcome, leaders, to the Five O'Clock Leadership Podcast with Brad and Rob. Rob, it is looking like fall in northern Indiana. How are things looking down there in Charlottesville, Virginia? Feels a little bit like fall. Uh, temperatures dropped suddenly last week. They recovered a little bit yesterday. So I'd like to hang on to a little more summer myself, Brad. Man, I hear that. And beyond the weather, it's a wild world out there. We're navigating a new, volatile cultural climate. We're seven months into a new way of being due to the coronavirus pandemic. There's a very tenuous election ahead of us. Summer's over, Rob. It's fall. We don't have a vaccine for the virus yet. And the theme of our podcast, leaders, is how are you coming back to lead in the midst of all this? How are you coming back to lead your team? Yeah, that's right. And of course, we want to help leaders come back at their very best. I know, Brad, in, in talking to our clients and, and also just personally, I know, you know, if, if you had asked me back in April, May, where do you think you're going to be come September, October? I'd be like, well, things have got to be better. They've, we've got to make progress and we have made some progress. I think we're, we're understanding uh, how to deal with these things a little bit better, but for the most part, not much has changed since May, June. And uh, I think the weariness factor for leaders is is real. Many of them just thought they could kind of gut it out. And again, things will be better in a few months and they're not a whole lot better. So we want to we want to help leaders come back at, at their very best. Absolutely. And I have to admit, I thought this was going to be kind of a two week blip. Instead, here we are seven months in and and leaders are having to make adjustments. They're having to do things like they've never done before. And so we're in the midst of a two-part podcast to address the question of how do you come back intentionally? And step number one is just simply this, buy Rob's book, right, Rob? <laughs> it probably helps. I mean, I do, uh, not only have I said it, but others have said it. This is a perfect book for COVID and, and getting through COVID. So perhaps so. It is. It's a great book, and it's uh, perfect for what we're all dealing with right now. Uh, and it would definitely take you deeper leaders into what we're talking about today. And so in our last podcast, we talked about the first step towards coming back intentionally is to be aware. So step number one is simply be aware. Yeah, and simultaneous with that is turning off autopilot. Autopilot is what keeps us from being aware. We, we just wake up the same way we wake up each morning. We think, okay, it's just another day. We navigate our morning. We navigate our day. We navigate our Zoom calls. We navigate our email. And we just kind of do it on autopilot. Autopilot is, is not bad, but it, it doesn't work for us when we want to be different. Those just don't that's intuitive, I think, for, for our listeners. So turn off autopilot, turn on awareness, all wrapped up there in step one. 
Yeah, that's great. That's helpful, Rob. And so step number one is to turn on awareness. And we turn on awareness by noticing how we're showing up four-dimensionally. We're showing up physically. We show up in our bodies. We show up intellectually in our thoughts, emotionally in our feelings, and spiritually in our identity. Those are the four-dimensional ways in which we show up. And the more we are aware of what we're bringing into the room, the meeting, even on a Zoom call, the more we are able to turn off autopilot, move towards new possibilities. Today is about the other two steps. Yeah, and steps two and three, Brad, we'll just go ahead and give them away. There are two more words that start with A. We try to keep things simple here so leaders can remember them. But after being aware is to then assess and finally adjust. Assess is so important because, Brad, we talked about, and again, we devoted the whole podcast last time to being aware, because frankly, that's where most of the work is. And, and leaders who have been coached by us have learned the depths of new awareness that are possible. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, awareness, awareness, how much more is there to be aware of? Well, Candidly, probably a lot more. And I talk about in my book, I take two thirds of the book talking about being more aware. And the last third contains these, these last two steps. So, and they're critical steps. So what do we mean by assess? Assess is to measure. And leaders, pause to think for a moment about how you are measuring every day in your role as a leader. You're measuring, probably first of all, you're measuring your own performance. How did I do in that meeting? How, do I, how did I do in, in responding to that question? Uh, we don't necessarily pause and consciously do, do this, but at least subconsciously we are. How did my direct report do on an assignment that I gave them? How are our financials going? How's inventory? How are we doing with new sales? All of these cannot really be determined unless we are assessing, unless we are measuring. And so it's so important with all of the all that there is to take in about self-awareness to pause and say, okay, when I notice all of this, when I notice how my body's doing, when I notice what's going on with my emotions, my thoughts, my sense of self, how can I wrap that up into kind of a grade or, or a, some form of measurement? The phrase I like here is if you can measure it, you can manage it. If you're not measuring it, you're probably not managing it. So we don't want self-awareness just for the sake of self-awareness. We want the self-awareness to take us somewhere. So, so then you say, well, Rob, how do, I, how do we measure? And that's where we say that can be very personal, but come up with some scale. The one I typically use with clients is a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being terrible and 10 being awesome. You can use a one to five scale. You can use A, B, C, D, F. Use a scale. And here's the thing. While it might seem kind of awkward to be self-assessing and giving yourself a measurement at first, with the repetition of time, you'll really know what that scale means. Brad, 
at times, you know, I've, I've worked like many of us do. I've worked on, on losing weight and making sure that my weight is appropriate for my body size. If I am not stepping on the scale once a day to measure, I don't have any direction for what I need to do that day. If I step on and I'm several pounds higher than I thought, then that's really going to impact how I eat and drink the rest of the day. So when we're determining this scale of one to 10, 10 is you at your best. Now, only you can determine what you at your best look like, but that's what the 10 is. And so when we uh, assess and take a measurement, we're pausing to determine how far away am I from being at my best? So that presentation I gave in the conference room today, what's my assessment of that? And you can weigh all the factors, be all aware, and you can say, I gave, I gave myself a seven. Well, my question would be is, what would it take to move that to an eight or a nine or a 10? And so this is, this is how we measure. I had someone who wrote me the other day and said, Rob, you had me do this several weeks ago, and I recognized that my physical conditioning during coronavirus has been terrible. I gave myself a four. I was walking some for some of my phone calls, but I had totally given up my workouts and my regular things that I did to keep myself in shape. And when I realized I was a four, that really got my attention. So that's what we're, we're doing with assessing. And when you assess routinely, you should begin to see helpful patterns as well as triggers that are going to not that knock you off your game and prevent you from being at your best. Let me pause there, Brad. You have any reflections on this second step of assessing? No, that's really helpful, Rob. I love this idea that we can actually measure our presence or measure these different four dimensions. And I think scaling it on a scale of one to 10 is always really helpful. Good, good. Okay, so once we've become more aware and then we've given it a measurement, then the last logical step is how do I adjust? How do I adjust? How do I adjust to the fact that I'm coming back and coronavirus is still with us? I'm still working in isolation, separated from my team. Uh, we're still having the dialogue we are in our society. We've still got the uncertainty uh, that goes with the elections, but how do I adjust to be at my best? And I would say, uh, first of all, you can break the type of adjustment you're doing down into two categories. One is short-term adjustments, or I might call these immediate adjustments. And the second is longer-term adjustments. These are ones that need more of a game plan associated with them and are going to take more time. So examples of short-term adjustments, and, and generally, Brad, these are adjustments I'm having to make in the moment, probably in reaction to a person or my circumstances, where I realize, boy, if I don't respond to this the right way, it's going to have a bad version of me showing up. And so shorter term adjustments are catching myself and not responding defensively to someone who has just uh, challenged me about how I did something. 
maybe it's managing my anger in the moment instead of just letting my anger show like I usually do. Maybe it's a, a reaction that involves leaning into a conversation I need to have instead of being silent or running away from a conversation that I don't want to have. So these are momentary types of adjustments. And in, in my book, I give a lot of different forms of short-term adjustments, beginning with breathe. Breathe. Take one or two big breaths to create some space and some time between you and your reaction to whatever it is that is, is stressing you in the moment. Take a couple of deep breaths. That helps your body. It helps you pause and think. And it helps you make an adjustment in the moment. There's other short-term adjustments you can make. Uh, you can make adjustments within your day. If you see that you've got a really important meeting at the very end of the day, but that your whole schedule is clogged up between now and then, you can make it some adjustments to get, create some free time for yourself so you can be properly prepared. Another form of short-term adjustment is you have a, a really stressful conversation you just come out of, and instead of reacting with an email or reacting by going and talking about it with someone you shouldn't, take a walk around the block. There's just a variety of short-term adjustments that you can make uh, that are within a few minutes or a few hours of, of when you're needing to make the adjustment. Longer-term adjustments are in those areas where a leader recognizes, boy, I've just finally become aware that I never delegate and I always insist on doing all the work myself. And that just leads to me chronically not being at my best because I feel like I'm always overloaded because I'm, do I'm taking on all the work myself. Well, that's a longer term type of adjustment that the leader's going to need to be need to make. And that requires a little bit more to see that through and see it be successful. You have a comment, Brad, as I'm distinguishing between those two? Yeah, actually, leaders, this is really, really important stuff that Rob's talking about right now. And change is possible uh, because what, you know, one of the things that you talked about, Rob, is something that really resonated for me and my leadership over the years. And that is the idea of that short-term catching yourself and not responding defensively, because that certainly used to be an MO of mine and leadership. And something that I feel like I've really been able to overcome is that what what's being presented to me is not necessarily something to be taken personally, but something to listen to and be empathic about and to stay present with the person that is engaging with me. So it's really good stuff as I think about uh, the challenges of those short-term changes. Leaders, it's really important to notice your autopilot so that you can engage uh, fully and at your best. Yeah, and generally, longer-term adjustments are simply a series of short-term adjustments, okay? So if, if I'm going to be one who tries to present myself as more open to people's ideas instead of defensive, to use your example, Brad, that's going to be probably a daily series of short-term adjustments to pause. And instead of putting up a defensive excuse, 
to invite the person to say more, help me better understand. So I don't want to go too far down that, that detail with that particular adjustment, but that's a good example of the fact that often longer-term adjustments are simply a series of short-term adjustments. Now, let me, let me talk briefly about what it takes um, to be successful with a longer-term adjustment. With, with short-term adjustments, that's just in the moment. That's all about you. Um, you recognize you, you need to do it because you're more self-aware. Uh, you've assessed that, hey, if I respond the way I always have, I'm going to get the same result I always have, and I don't want that. So, so you're, you're doing that. But for a longer-term adjustment, let's say you're a leader that recognizes you need to be more assertive with your ideas, that you often have good ideas, but you stay quiet about them for some reason. Again, this is just an example. That's a longer-term adjustment that's needed. Again, we do this all the time with our leaders that we coach. We help them draw up a little personal action plan around that. So that's actually one of the first things you do is to have a written plan. I need to be more assertive with my ideas. I need to speak up. That's the goal in your written plan. The second thing that you write down about that goal is the purpose, why it's so important that you get better at this. And that purpose needs to really be grounded. Uh, we like to refer to the purpose as the anchor for, for this uh, action plan, for this making this longer-term adjustment. Why is it so important that you be assertive? It's not just so that other people will hear you. It's so that you can grow as a leader who has ideas and then shares them in a way that they are heard by others. Again, all of this is, is by example. But what is the clear purpose for doing this? Let's use the example of losing weight. Let's say that I want to lose 25 pounds. And my purpose is to look, is to be better looking. Well, that's a so-so purpose. I think a more meaningful purpose is to avoid adult onset diabetes, to avoid the problems that come with being overweight and being less mobile. Those are deep, deeper, more grounded uh, sense of purpose for that adjustment. The key here is to have a solid purpose that's going to keep you working on this adjustment as long as you need to, to actually make it. All right. So it's not just a, a nice to have purpose, but it's a deeply meaningful purpose. So we've got a written plan with a clear goal and a stated purpose. One other key component for this, and we talk about more details in the book, but one other critical feature of a longer term adjustment is to have somebody else that's walking alongside you that's encouraging you and holding you accountable to your longer term adjustment. Brad, if I wake up on a Monday morning and I've, I've had a real you know, weekend of binge eating or whatever, and I say, I have got to lose 25 pounds, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. That's my goal. And then I tell no one about my goal. What odds would you give on me being successful with losing 25 pounds on my own? Less than 50%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I agree. I agree. We have to tell someone about this. I know someone who recently recognized that uh, drinking has turned from social to 
way too much autopilot for, for this person. And one of the first steps they took was to write a letter to their family to say, I am quitting drinking. Oh, now we got some accountability there for something that may be a, a, a tough adjustment for this person, but they have taken a key step to letting other, other ones know, and in this case, loved ones, ones that really care about uh, this person uh, and helping hold them accountable to that goal. So your longer term adjustment as a leader, whether it's being more forthright with your ideas, delegating better, managing your time better, uh, whatever that is, have someone that knows about it that will encourage you when they see you doing it well, who will remind you when they see you falling back into old patterns. And at the end of the day is someone else that knows what you're trying to do and is walking that journey with you to help help you see it through to make that long-term adjustment. That's the conclusion of the three steps. I would encourage you leaders as you, as you think about how you're coming back, uh, hopefully that whole exercise of self-awareness and identifying areas that have not been so healthy for you as a leader, you then assessed and said, this is keeping me from being a 10. And then you have figured out an adjustment. Maybe it's an adjustment you need to make in each of the four dimensions. Maybe it's just one of them. But these are the three steps with the four dimensions that you can make, and you can make these instantly, continually, or you can make them longer term. Either way, they are geared towards helping you continually be in this mode of bettering yourself and leading towards showing up as the best version of yourself possible. Thanks, Robin. Leaders, this is what we do. We are leadership coaches. And we help leaders become more aware, make the assessments they need to make, and help them make the adjustments they need to make to be the best version of themselves possible. So you may need a coach. Might be another thing that you need. And you can visit us at McKinnonLeadershipGroup.com. And whether you need a coach or not, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted you today. And you can find a contact form there at that website. And so please reach out to us. What rose to the surface for you today? What are you more aware of now than you were prior to what we've been talking about? And what adjustments are you making? Again, visit us at McKinnonLeadershipGroup.com. Stay tuned for Maddie's Take of the Day. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're here with Maddie. Maddie. What are your thoughts on what Rob was talking about today? Well, I feel like you all touched briefly on this, discussing the adjustment step, this idea of accountability, which I also feel like would be a great fourth step because it starts with an A <laughs> and it's kind of the linchpin on creating lasting change. But I was wondering what you all see um, the role of the thoughts and opinions of others how those would play into the assessment step. Because I, as you all were speaking, I was thinking about how the assessment step is almost like a performance review that you give yourself. And that made me think, well, how do actual performance reviews or how do actual opinions of others play into 
how you should be assessing yourself. Are there people, are there voices that you maybe wouldn't listen to? Should you be careful of which voices you let influence your self-assessment? That was just a question that I had. Maddie, that's a great question. I would say that the person you are asking to help hold you accountable is the person that you're being vulnerable with in the first place to say, hey, I got something I'm not quite so good at and I'm trying to get better. Will you walk alongside me and help me in this? And you're asking two things of them specifically. You're not asking for them to give you, I mean, you, you can uh, ask them to give you a grade. I'm not suggesting that. I suggest you simply ask them for two things. One, when you see me behaving in new ways, consistent with my long-term adjustment, please tell me you see me doing that. And that encourages me. Tell me what you see that's good. Or if you see me falling back into my old habits of what I used to do, tell me you see me doing that. Call me out on it. That's the, that's the assessment piece you're really asking for from your accountability partner. You are the one, you are the best one to be assessing yourself with a score. Uh, don't let someone else do that. But your accountability partner can, uh, again, be an encouragement in uh, when they observe one of these two things. Does that help? Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Maddie. There's a reason why we call her our secret weapon, and you can see why. Our coaching question of the day is actually multiple questions, leaders. So stay, stay with me here if you can. The first question is this. How was your overall leadership presence today? Consider that for a minute your overall leadership presence today on a scale of one to 10, 10 being your best. If not a 10, what do you need to adjust to increase that score? How might a series of these adjustments impact your leadership presence in the long term? Who will you ask to help support you as you work to be intentional about these adjustments? And what is it you will ask of them so that you can be accountable to change? Hey, thanks for listening today, everybody. And if you found the content of today's podcast or other Five O'Clock Leadership podcasts helpful and valuable for your leadership, consider heading over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to leave a rating or review. This helps other leaders find the podcast and add it to their daily routine. Thanks and have a good one.